Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. So, good afternoon and welcome to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. In Studio One of Chapel FM Arts Centre, I'm sitting here. Henry's uh, sitting on the desk in his yellow and black T-shirt. Hello. Looks like a wasp. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, uh, we're looking forward to today's show. We've got uh, a live guest. Well, live in the sense that she's in her kitchen on Zoom. Uh, and then uh, we've also then got a, uh, a pre-recorded interview that I did with the, the writer, Bethany Rivers a little while ago. So first of all, we we have um, the theatre director Enya Lucas. Hello, Enya. Hi, Peter. Hello. How are you Great doing? How are you doing? I'm really good. I'm very excited to talk about this new play. Absolutely. Well, well. T- first of all, yeah. Tell us about the play. Tell us about uh, first of all, or maybe actually tell tell us about the theatre company first of all. Leads Arts yeah. Centre. Yeah, so uh, LAC Leeds Arts Centre are a local charity. Um, we've been around since 1945 um, and we put on theatre um, in Leeds every year. We try and do four productions, um, often at the Carriage Works Theatre, right in the city centre in Millennium Square. Um, and all everyone who works for us is volunteers um, and everyone is um, puts in their time outside of their working hours. Um, and all the money that we get from ticket sales just goes straight back into trying putting on new pieces of theatre um, and just really increasing the um, ability of people to perform not only on stage but also the skills backstage and needs so um, that's one of our aims really to just bring as many different people and, and increase diversity of theatre and needs. Fantastic I mean tell us about Leeds Arts Centre so I mean you're not based in a Leeds Arts Centre anymore, I, I gather, because I mean it doesn't really exist anymore. But is that right? So it um, when they first were created, I think back in ninety uh, a while ago now, um, they were part of um, the town hall. There was like a section where, and I think there was an old civic theatre, um, which is now Leeds Museum. So um, we're actually now part of a wider group called Leeds Com- Community Arts Network. Um, and part of them, there's like musical theatre groups, there's children theatre, um, and we are we we do straight kind of straight drama. So the Shakespeare's new heart hitting pieces of um, drama we we try to put on. So um, yeah, there's no we don't have a camp or a base. We meet virtually for our, our committee meetings, but um, we work closely with the council and this this wider group called Alcan um, to try and put on as much theatre in Leeds. 
Absolutely brilliant, and uh, yeah, I do remember going to the Leeds Civic Theatre years ago. Obviously, and now the yeah, now the museum. It was a it was a really nice little theatre, and I, I think I remember seeing Leeds Arts Centre LAC productions uh, then, as uh, as well as things like the Leeds Leeds Youth Opera, uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, you're you're at the Carriage Works now. Tell us about your own involvement, Enya, in Leeds Arts Centre LAC. Yeah, so I've been part of the group now for about six years. Um, as you maybe can tell from my accent, I'm not from around here. I'm from the South Coast. Um, and when I came up after uni, um, I did a Google search and um, found LAC and went along to one of their play readings, which if you want to get involved, I definitely recommend that's how you start. Um, we do play readings at least twice a month. Um, where you get to meet every the other members, get to meet some of the the team who put on the productions, um, and that's really the best way to get get involved um, to find out what's happening in the next year. So that's what I did, um, and I started small helping prompting in a, in a production, um, and then eventually I auditioned and, and got um, places. I think I. I probably performed in about six different plays and I've had three major lead roles um and yes so when lockdown hit we obviously had to um adjust like everyone else did um and we are now finally picking up steam again with four productions this year which we're really excited about um and when we were still trying to pick up steam uh, last year we instead did a kind of a summer festival where we just put little productions on or just like script in hand performances we called them so they weren't really properly rehearsed um and very light set very small production um and instead we just thought we'd have fun you know just getting back into putting on some theater and um i directed i was like i'm going to direct for the first time a piece which someone had recommended to me and I thought it sounded really interesting. Um, so I directed half a performance of Scarborough, the first act um, with Fiona um, and Connor, two actors. And it was just a short 40 minute piece and it went down so well that we um, decided to, I put a play proposal into the committee of LAC and they accepted me to put on the full production this year. So uh, that's how I've ended up where I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, tell us about Scarborough, the play that you're doing. Yeah. Um, so Scarborough is uh, set in Scarborough in a small hotel room. And you are first drawn straight in um, to a relationship. Um, and it's a play about a forbidden weekend away. So this couple does all the things you might expect a couple to do, but soon you quite realise that fear is in the air. They don't actually want to leave a seaside hotel room because you find out that one of the people in the relationship is actually only 15 years old, i.e. a child, and the other are their teacher. Um, so that's what the Act One looks at. Um, the teacher is a, male, a female teacher, 30-year-old teacher called Lauren, and then a male student called Daz. Um, and this plays out over a long weekend away, um, and you kind of find out what happens, and there's a twist at the end. However, the full... So Scarborough 
that that's basically Scarborough, this this one act. Um, and the writer, Fiona Evans, um, first put this on in uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival about like 2006-7. And she actually won uh, loads of awards and won Edinburgh Fringe First, which is uh, one of the highly acclaimed awards for theatre there. Um, and it was so popular that she was asked to put it on uh, in um, the West End. So instead of developing these characters any further as in Lauren, what she decided to do was really play around with audiences' expectations and biases. And she actually repeated the exact same script for Act Two, but instead had a male teacher and a female student. Um, so that is Scarborough. <laughs> it's a real play around with gender biases really diving into kind of this abusive relationship and showing it in its totality. Fascinating. What a great idea to just not extend it. I mean, the temptation as a writer would be to kind of, you know, go to 10 years later or something, mm -hmm. but uh, that would be the obvious. I what, to actually uh, rewrite the first act, our uh, first act with uh, reversing those roles. That's a really interesting idea. So who is Fiona Evans, if you excuse my ignorance? Is she from Leeds or is she from all, from anywhere else? I actually don't know where she's from. I don't know why she said it in Scarborough because the actual the, the uh, characters uh, from um, Newcastle, um, but we we've played the characters as, as all being from Yorkshire. Um, I think she this was her first major piece and and her most popular piece really that was picked up. Um, I think um, she, uh, she's done a few other small playwright plays, but. Um, I think, as often with a fringe festival, you just have you have kind of amateur people coming up and they just throw things at the wind and hope something sticks. So I think that's what happened with Scarborough. Fascinating. So I mean, yeah, it's obviously a contentious subject. And have, are mm. you expecting any um, to to do much context, as it were? Are you doing some publicity around it, and or and have you received any uh, interesting uh, feedback about that so far? Yeah, really good question. Definitely. So I suppose to start from the beginning, um, when we, I, I mentioned Alcan Lee's Community Arts Network and working closely with Carriage Works, for us to perform at Carriage Works, um, we go through their kind of publicity team. Um, and when we first, LAC confirmed and agreed to do Scarborough, and then when I went and put it to, to the Carriage Works, they kind of were like, oh, hang on, this is like a family-run um, institution. Um, and it, what what's this about? Uh, are we sure we can put this kind of content on? Um, and that was the first kind of pushback I'd really had. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, certainly. Yeah, I can see what your point is. Definitely, this is only for 16 plus is what we're recommend recommending. Um, and I also reached out to... From following Carriage Works advice, I've, I reached out to a, a couple of experts, I suppose, in the field. Firstly, I spoke to um, the University of Leeds and I've spoken to uh, Dr. Fo Rosie Fox there, who's um, a lecturer in the Sexual Offences Act. Um, and really just found out more about what the legality and, and was about um, the situation. Um, and this kind of abusive relationship which was taking place. 
And also, um, I have contacted a number of charities and needs, um, and I just really wanted to make sure that um, me putting on this like really <laughs> um, difficult subject matter, I had was signposting people to the right places, any audience members who came to see it. And also, I've decided to um, collect money um, through like a... a for the visitors and, and the people coming to see the play if they are able to donate to Sarsville um, it's a local charity um, that uh, specifically help people who have um, experienced sexual violence and rape so yeah the I've I suppose I've kind of it was really interesting for me to see how this difficult subject matter hits with people <laughs> um and I've tried to put in as many pr procedures and processes in place to help not only the audience members, but also my actors. So um, we have put in a number of safeguarding things and also um, made sure that any of the intimacy work that we're doing was was properly you know, discussed um, and, and really happened in a safe environment. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that, those are kind of some things which came up for me when I first was advertising the play. Absolutely. Um, Sorry, yeah. go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go on. Yeah. Uh, well, the second thing about it is uh, this di directional decision which I've made. Um, so I've actually... Uh, I was looking at what Fiona Evans' work did and I really wanted to extend what she her concept through time. So I've actually decided to set the second act, which was with a male teacher and female student, um, 15 years earlier in 1989. Um, and that was because I really wanted to explore how viewpoints have even changed as the decades have progressed as well. And also then looking at where we are at now, now that we're in this kind of Me Too era, um, and also even looking at where the law is now. So for instance, coercive control and emotional abuse in relationships actually only became an offence in 2015. So, um, yeah, for me, the difficult subject matter is really, I, I want to put it out there. I want to start conversations about it. And I've just been had such a pleasure to work with a mature and capable cast and also used a lot of contacts within the Leeds community to be able to make sure I'm putting it on right. Well, brave decision to do it. And, uh, yeah, wish you very well with it. I mean, when when when's the run start? Wednesday, the 8th of March to Saturday, the 11th of March. We've got five shows, um, so a Saturday matinee as well. Um, yeah. Great stuff. Well, um, and people can get tickets how? Um, if you just Google Carriage Works Theatre, um, you'll be able to find us on there, Carriage Works Scarborough. Um, I'll give you the links um, so you can also just get there directly um, through the website. Um, and right. Or you can also just Google Leeds Art Centre. Fantastic. That's probably the best thing to do. Um, finally, before we hear a section of dialogue from the play mm -hmm. recorded in the rehearsal, and thanks for sending that. Um, yeah, anyway, do you do other new writing I mean what's yes what's the sort of balance of what you do in terms of classics and new writing and do you are there opportunities for for young emerging writers in Leeds to pitch plays to you yes definitely so um we have we often put on new writing 
um, and have done frequently in the past. Um, we also, not only performing full plays uh, or full productions, sorry, I should say, um, with new writing, but we also welcome things every month. We like to put on these play readings um, and we often have new people, new writing discussed and talked about during those two hour play readings that we do. Um, so yes, we've got lots of budding playwrights and I think a lot have been involved with Chapel FM in the past. Um, and yeah, so we often, yeah, please do feel free to submit any ideas. Um, we do have an email address, so it's like secretary at Leeds Art Centre, or you can just look on our website. But to be honest, the easiest thing to do is um, just come along and meet us face to face and you'll see how enthusiastic we are about new new pieces. Um, we don't, it's not like we have like a set, um, we must do a Shakespeare every year or we must do a new piece of writing every year. To be honest, it's really led by the directors um, and what they kind of want to be putting on. So if you are a budding writer, find yourself a director and um, you can work together and put a proposal together um, and we'd, we'd be happy to put something on. Great. Thank you so much, Enya, for coming on Love the Words. Uh, Enya Lucas, who's directing Scarborough, a new play by Fiona Evans uh, at um, Leeds Civic Theatre. Oh, no, it's Carriage Works, isn't it? I'm getting myself yeah. all muddled up. Um, <laughs> uh, starting on the 8th and going to the 11th of March, and you can get tickets if you go on the Leeds Arts Centre uh, website or um, uh, Carriage Works. So, yeah, thanks ever so much. We're now going to hear... Um, an extract from the play and then after that a jingle and after that Henry will put on an interview that I did about a month ago with the writer Bethany Rivers talking about her the kind of breadth and the scope of her work particularly with people suffering from grief using creative writing in that context so thank you Enya and uh, yeah you're listening to Love the Words on East Leeds FM and now an extract from Scarborough I've always hated Sundays. Me too. That sick feeling that... I haven't done my homework. Feeling the end of... I can't believe this is it. Over before it's... Game over. Begun. We should have... Swum against the tide. I can't swim. But you... You lied. You're the liar. I just can't crawl. I would have taught you, I would have... Thrown me in the deep end. Saved you. I need some air... This room. It's changed. We've. I need to get out. Calm. I'm sick of talking. Hold on. Every man for himself. I want to go home now. I need to know. But you think I'd tell? Your secret's safe with me. Memory deleted. Memory deleted. Love the control. Love the command. Love the space bar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM.
love the commas, love the apostrophes, love the colons and the question marks, love the words from East Leeds FM. No, no, Lita. No, no, Lita. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM uh, at Chapel FM Arts Centre. And today I'm talking to a writer who was born in Seacroft Hospital and grew up in South Leeds and now lives elsewhere, but has, as she will tell you, very, very strong memories and associations with Leeds, Bethany Rivers. Hello, Bethany. Hello. Thanks, Peter. It's nice to be here. <laughs> Uh, very nice to have you with us. So, yes, tell us first of all about yeah your your connection to Leeds. So, um, so that was where I was born and brought up, um, and I moved away to university when I was eighteen, like people do. And I went from Leeds to Bath, which was a major culture shock. And all I wanted to do was come back to Leeds. But um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's full of my childhood memories and some really old dear school friends that I visit regularly and stay in touch with which is lovely and um, my mum still lives there so I visit and my dad is buried in um, Cottingley graveyard so I visit there regularly as well. Fantastic and yeah so you Leeds has a, a place in your heart and in your dreams you were saying actually a bit earlier on before we went there. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it's the place I dream most about especially around Beeston Primary School um, and um, it's on, I don't know if you know it, but it's on the top of a hill. So you have this panoramic view and you can see Middleton and Cottingley and Leeds Town Centre, which has got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the dark spaces of fields has got shrunk, has shrunk quite spectacularly. But um, but yeah, so that, that would be my, my meditation spot. And I would take my dog, which I walked twice a day, every day throughout <laughs> um, whatever the weather. And um, that's where we would go and and I would just I think I could spend hours up there and my dog would be like come on I, I want to move on with the walk <laughs> yeah the views from up there are absolutely extraordinary aren't they yeah yeah that's lovely so um yeah you you tell us about your writing and what kind of writing you do both as both in terms of your own writing but also uh, well maybe start with that and then we'll move on to the writing you do with people because it uh, it sounds fascinating so yes about what about your own writing what's your particular form or do you write in different forms yeah so I, my first ventures I think when my novel was published in 2003 and then um, when I did my master's degree I kind of got much more into poetry and short stories I have to say short stories is probably my least favorite genre, um, but I'm um, very happy to help other people write them, but I'm not that interested in writing them myself anymore. Um, but I got very much into poetry and especially poetry that's kind of healing and insightful. So my favorite poet is Mary Oliver, American poet, yeah. And uh, so I have two poetry books published. One is um, from Indigo Dreams, which is called Off the Wall. And the other one is from Fly on the Wall Press, which is called The Sea Refuses No River. And um, so I, I kind of was steeped in poetry for many years and, and the poetry healing world and what that offered and the different training I did in that world. And then um, more recently, I've started to write a novel, a fantasy novel for young adults. So I'm about two thirds of the way through my first draft. 
um, and, and I've started writing for radio, which I'm finding very exciting. Um, and I did this wonderful course with um, Helen Cross, and it was write a radio script in five weeks. I was very cynical. <laughs> I thought that could never happen, um, but it actually did. And what actually happened was the inspiration for my radio play was actually, I went to the Sylvia Plath Poetry Festival in Hebden Bridge um, in, the, in the summer, was it? Yeah, just not so very long ago. And I went to Sylvia Plath's grave. Yep. And, um, and for, for anybody who's been there and knows what it's like, and it feels quite sacred, actually. Um, and Hebden Bridge is, a, is an amazing place. But um, it, so that was the impetus and the whole inspiration for my radio play. So I'm really quite pleased with that baby, <laughs> which I have sent to the BBC. Um, so I'm hoping to do some research next and write more radio um, drama around the 13th century Sufi poet Rumi and his life and death and his love for his mentor, his spiritual mentor Shams and his grief when Shams left and disappeared um, and the amazing poetry that he wrote in Arabic um, specifically that came out of that. I read a fascinating thing I think quite recently was that Rumi is the most read poet in the United States. Is that yes. right? Yeah, I came across that too. Yeah, <laughs> but he the quotes from his work are everywhere, aren't they? And he's become more and more popular. And this year is actually the seven hundred and fiftieth anniversary of his death. So uh, wow. yeah, it's yeah. Well, he's only a recent discovery for me, but it's it's great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And what what is it about the form of radio that's particularly interesting to you at the moment? I love the dialogue of the characters and how they they have their own voices to speak in and I love playing with dialogue and how how you can a character can never answer a question if you don't want them to <laughs> and um, I love the sense of implication you get from the dialogue as well mm. and it's something that just flows really well for me um, and one of the characters in in the play I've just written has a a lovely Yorkshire accent, of course, and <laughs> and it's really fun to kind of play with accents as well, and their different people's different idioms and ways of talking, um, which makes them unique. So uh, yeah, I love all of that. And you have you written any theatre? Any plays? No, that's not something I've ventured into yet. Maybe one day. <laughs> Wondering. And um, tell us about your the 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 poetry, uh, particularly in relation to what well, the poetry kind of workshops or sessions you do in relation to healing because that sounds fascinating i know i read on your website about that um and also with people who are the suffering bereavement yes so the year before last i was fortunate enough to get an arts council grant um and i ran two courses um two groups for six weeks each um, people who've been bereaved and um, that was the mostly the only criteria um, usually I say if somebody has been bereaved maybe a, at least a year ago so it's not quite so raw um, um, but so I had there was a very mixed group so some of them had lost a partner or a parent some of them had lost a, a grown-up child to suicide so it's very mixed and um, so through the course of the six weeks I take them through six specific poems that I've pre-selected and what I will often do is a guided visualization to kind of help them 
into the poem beforehand because none of it is about analysis or understanding it it's very much about them finding their own way in and what's resonant for them in the present moment and it they look at grief quite obliquely so i quite like that because it leaves it open for wherever people are at in their stage of grief um, as to how deep they want to take it or if they want to stay more on the surface um, and that and it's very open to interpretation so like one of the poems I often use is The Way It Is by William Stafford. Mm. And it talks about the threads that you follow. So people can talk about the thread of love with that other person, or they could talk about the thread of grief and what does that look like or feel like? Um, is it broken in parts or is it whole? Or does it want mending? Or is it a thread you don't want to hold anymore? So there's lots of different exploratory questions you can use from that, which, um, yeah people can take at their own level so and it was just I think it was the most amazing work I've ever done actually in fact it, it was the most nourishing and enriching and satisfying work that I've done to kind of it's a real honor to be witness to other people's grief journeys and to hold that space for them um it must have and, been a big responsibility Bethany sorry to interrupt Yes, yeah, it was. And I had supervision throughout so that there was somebody that I could go to as a mentor who's done this for a very long time, so that I made sure that I was safe and in a good space. And if there was, um, it was confidential all the way through, but if there was anything I felt I needed to kind of then help support my group a bit more in the next session, um, my mentor was very good at providing any tips or suggestions. Um, so that was in place. So that was really important. Yeah. Mm. William Stafford's an interesting poet. I, I I was only reading a poem by him the other day, and uh, I thought must get a selected poem. So this he's very interesting, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And it can sorry. refer to. Sorry, go on. No, go on, go on. Um, yeah, just that it can refer to so many different things. So yeah. So since that that six week uh, series of sessions with people who are bereaved. Um, have you have you done more? Have you taken it on? Have you developed that strand of your work? Yeah, so one of the groups, uh, some members of the group um, stayed with me. So we now do one Saturday morning every month. Um, we meet and I we do a, a, we look at a poem together and see where they are in their current stage of, of grief or what they might want to talk about or explore. Um, so I think trust is very, very important to develop in the group. And once it's there, it's really beautiful. And everybody's always very mutually supportive of each other, which is gorgeous. So it's lovely to see that group develop and be sustained. Um, so we that's usually the third Saturday of the month. And that's online because um, one of the ladies is actually in France. And <laughs> um, one of the ladies that was on the course as well was in Mexico. So it's quite interesting time zone wise but um yeah they were spread throughout so um I was surprised how it worked really well actually on zoom because you know for something so sensitive um but it did work really well so I was really really quite pleased with how that developed and that sustained so I also do one-to-one -one with that so if, some, if people wanted to do a one-to-one -one session with me on that that's also possible so what is it do you think about poetry that that is useful is is a is a particularly strong vehicle and useful vehicle for people who are suffering bereavement i think because it's such a strong container a poem can hold any emotion no matter what it is and usually because it's quite short and fits on one page 
so there's the the density of the text to be hold lots of meanings and richness and there's, there's something about it just being a yeah a really strong container somehow you kind of offers that safety to look at something a little bit from a distance um and it's always about just finding that line or that image that speaks to you and if the poem leaves you cold just ignore it it's probably not the poem for you that's absolutely fine <laughs> um which is not so, how we're taught taught to approach poetry in school is it when we have yeah. to, the poem is something to be it's a puzzle to be cracked it's a kind of something to be understood to be analyzed to be into you know to, to be found out somehow yeah it doesn't help us at all in any way shape or form i have to do so much debunking <laughs> of, of how to approach poetry because it really is something that is for everybody um but it's not categorized like films are or radio dramas they don't have labels like romance or comedy or horror and so trying to find poems that you like can be really really difficult um, but yeah, if it doesn't do anything for you, ignore it. It's not worth bothering with. There's, there's more poems out there that will reach you. <laughs> and and when and so when people have read have written a poem, for instance, in your session, do they do they read it out? Do they hold it to, the, to themselves? Is it well, how does it work? So all sharing is completely optional. So it depends, you know, if people want to share it or not. But usually people do. Um, the confidence builds in the group and the, the support grows. And so people usually do share what they've written. And that's usually actually one of the most rich parts of the whole thing, because um, people resonate with each other's where they're at in their, in their journeys. And, and they're always surprising themselves that they just wrote that and that it's you know been held by people and often moves other people and we actually did a booklet at the end of the two courses that called connecting hearts um which is a collection of some of the poems they wrote on the course um and that's freely available so if anybody wants one they can just drop me a line <laughs> well a bit well, before we finish we must get your contact details and you know where people can if they are interested in in maybe joining one of your workshops and or getting in contact regarding your work that'd be really good um yes i think if i mean i i i've led lots of or facilitated lots of workshops but never particularly with people who are suffering grief i think for me i, I would i suppose my fears are uh, about when in terms of leading a or facilitating a session are about not being able to contain people's emotion i suppose and how 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 do you, how do you handle that if somebody gets upset or if and particularly on Zoom? I mean, you know, that's another thing. Um, but uh, yeah, how does how do you make sure it doesn't overwhelm the whole session? Yeah, so I make it really clear at the very beginning with some kind of guidelines that all laughter, all tears, or whatever it is you feel is perfectly welcome, totally natural. So everybody knows that whatever they're feeling, it's okay for that to be in the group. And um, I also make it clear that if they need to step away at any point, then if they just let me know in the chat and that they make sure that they do rejoin the session before the end of it. So I know they're OK. Um, so there's like little things like that in place. Um, I generally don't have very many people in the group so that I can see everybody on one screen, a decent sized square. <laughs> so I don't have more than six people in a group. Um, 
and and I, I generally introduce it as well that you know for people to be aware of their own comfort levels so if they can choose to go as deep or as not as they like and that there is a choice and um, it's always a choice and whatever they to be aware of their own comfort levels like that and then if there is anything that they wanted to talk to me about like after the session has ended then they can always contact me so there's kind of the safety net there <laughs> yeah of course and and in terms of the the one-to-ones how does that work how long are your sessions and how, how i'm just interested in how much of, of a session is writing how much is maybe chatting in a cat almost in, as if you were a counselor how would are there boundaries around that for you so if it's a one-to-one it's usually an hour um so we start off with kind of just ascertaining where they're at right now in this present moment and um we'll have had some kind of conversation before this um as to what their grief is related to particularly and what the relationship is with the with the person but um so i will know what poem i'm going to bring to the session um so then it, it runs very much a similar way as i would with a group really and i'll do a gentle leading uh, we'll read the poem through a few times so i kind of just be absorbed in it um see what stands out um, ignore the rest and um, then I will do a couple of writing exercises with that so they do have time to write and um, time to kind of look away from the screen, <laughs> which we all need as well. Um, and then they can share as much or as little, but it's always good if people don't want to share what they've written, um, I always invite them to talk about the process. So how easy or difficult it was to maybe write something. Um, and that's always really helpful to talk about that as well, but people generally do want to share and then I might give them some kind of follow-on or further reading or writing task um, if they want one by, for the end of it for something for them to continue exploring um, whether they want to have another session with me or, or if that's the last session but they've got something to take away with them so I kind of it's it kind of in a way the structure of it kind of follows a story you kind of have the introduction you kind of have the deepening exploration and then you kind of have some kind of conclusion and I try to end it on a softer note so I know they're going to be okay when they <laughs> when they leave the session great and the, the one-to-ones are for people who are, who who mainly are bereaved again is that just, just yeah same thread uh well I, I can also do it just well both for people who've been bereaved but also people who just generally want mentoring in their writing um as well so yeah great I wonder whether this is something the kind of work you're doing sounds fascinating and I'm sure is really really useful for people um and beneficial and nourishing but it's it's whether it's something that's become more possible after the pandemic and through the pandemic yeah i think definitely people's awareness of it and perhaps people's willingness to explore other avenues of expression um is there more and certainly there's been more of a awareness in institutions that there is a need for people to talk about their grief i think as well and um in Shropshire I don't know about other counties probably is I don't know if it's a national thing or not but for libraries to become death positive um, and I know that death cafes are something that's pop up all throughout the country as well so people can actively know they're going somewhere where they can actually break the taboo and be able to talk about this yeah mm. well yeah I mean I, I think it must be a good thing I was also thinking of you know the whole the, the kind of one-to-one zoom mentoring i mean i'm sure that's something that seems well just technically seems much more 
stress-free really in the sense of you know it's just more normal not more normal you know after the pandemic yeah yeah absolutely yeah it is everybody knows what zoom is if you're going to say i'm going to go do a zoom everybody as long as your internet connection is okay that's the most stressful thing <laughs> oh that's cool. especially i mean imagine particularly in the kind of delicate work you're doing yes <laughs> suddenly the internet fails that's the last thing you want well it sounds absolutely brilliant bethany sounds fascinating work and yeah do you do you find it nourishing for you this kind of yes work? i do yeah i really do i think there's something about i've known for a long time about myself that i'm very good at holding space for other people and especially when it comes to big emotions or deep emotions and i think that comes from a lot of the training i've done and the experiences i've had and working on my own grief when my dad died when i was a child and so a lot of it's like I can recognize the similarities and the universality of it, as well as the uniqueness of each person's grief. Um, so it, and I, I think because when I had my bereavement, there was nobody there to talk to um, for years. So being there for other people so they can talk um, feels particularly special and important work to do. Yeah. Well, Bethany, maybe if people are listening, they, they're interested in this work and, you know, they might be bereaved themselves, they might want to do some writing with you, um, how would they contact you? Yeah, so they can go to my website, which is bethanyrivers.com um, or email me, and it's bethanyrivers77 at hotmail.co.uk. And um, I will answer all queries. <laughs> well yeah it sounds, it sounds great and thank you very much for talking to us today and uh, good luck with the radio player i hope you hope you get some uh hope you get some good news about that that'd be great thank you so much <laughs> and uh, yeah well let us know if you do and and you can come and do an interview about that being good to hear about it i will i'll keep you posted <laughs> thanks very much bethany thanks peter thank you Love the haiku, love the sonnet, love the quatrain and the couplet, love the words from East Leeds FM. Mm -hmm.